Hello, and welcome to Health Careers with Dr. Martin, where we have deep, personalized, and eye-opening conversations with various people in healthcare. We learn what it's really like to work in different health careers from people who are living it today. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Martin, and welcome. Hello and welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. Before we get started with the next podcast, I welcome you to check out the website for this podcast at hcwithdrmarn.com. That's h-c-w-i-t-h-d-r-m-a-r-n.com. H-C being an abbreviation for health careers. On the website, You'll get to learn a little bit about me and what this podcast is designed for in more detail. You'll get to replay the podcast directly from the website. You'll get to find links to any of our guests, if they have any. And you will get to see the show notes and transcriptions for the podcast, especially if any particular section interests you. And on the contact page, you can reach out to me to let me know if you have any comments about the show, if there's any particular professions you would like to hear about for me to interview, and how will you think I can make this podcast better for you. So this next podcast, we will be talking with someone that works as a physical therapist. His name is Jason Jackson. He is a wonderful person who actually personally took care of me for my own health ailments. He did a fantastic job, an excellent job, and just a good person. He attended Ithaca College for his college degree as well as his master's degree in physical therapy. He has worked at UCSF Medical Center, but since 1998 has worked at Mount Sinai Hospital as part of the Department of Rehabilitative Medicine. He has a very well-rounded physical therapy education and experience, but has a unique specialization and interest in hemophilia and upper extremity and amputee problems. For select patients who are interested, he also provides private practice physical therapy services. Interestingly, he has a very passionate interest in photography. His photography has been featured in London um, in 2019, and he has a website that you can check out at jasonjacksonimages.com. I'll also put that website uh, link on my website if you'd like to go there. If you like what you hear on this podcast, you can reach out to Jason at jason.jackson at mountsinai.org or his Instagram account at Jason Jackson Images. Again, as I mentioned, this information will be also available on my website. I think you're going to learn a lot about physical therapy in this podcast, so Let's get to it. Let's meet Jason. All right. Hey. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show, everybody. With me today is Jason Jackson. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing pretty well. Fantastic. Hey, listen, I'm I am so glad you're here. Uh, to our listeners who don't know, Jason and I met, I think, what, like more than 10 years ago? I was actually a patient of yours yes. for a... Yes. It's a neck issue I had that actually improved under your care. Thank you. But, um, you know, even as I got 
older and had other ailments, I still came to you. Yes, you did. <laughs> I didn't mind at all. And I referred good. people to you. Yes. Um, and I, I just think you just have a, just a wonderful touch and intelligent way of doing what you do, Thank which you. is physical therapy. Thank you very much. You know, um, but I think one of the first things we need to do is tell everyone what exactly is is physical therapy. What 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 are your responsibilities? Um, well, for me specifically, uh, the setting that I work in is is an outpatient department. Um, so patients are coming to me with different ailments. Um, as a physical therapist, uh, rehabilitation medicine, my job is pretty much to, to mend people, put them back together, whatever functional impairments they have to try to improve upon that, maximize that. If we can't get them back to 100%, you know, like I said, maximize their function and their ability. And sometimes it's just pain, right? Trying to get their pain to go away. But, but Jason, what is physical therapy itself? Like, what is the responsibility of a physical therapist? Like, what do they... What are they charged to do? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the what are what do they generally? Uh, uh, what is that occupation usually responsible for? Um, you know, is there a is there uh, is there kind of a guideline or a definition? So yeah, it kind of falls under the umbrella of, kind of allied health professions, right? So right, and what our responsibility is really is improving a patient's a patient's physical function through examination, diagnosis, prognosis, um, and then doing some type of physical intervention, whether it's through exercise, um, immobilization, manual therapies, different things. Um, some In some countries, we're called physiotherapists rather than, rather than physical therapists. Um, okay. Sometimes there's also modalities that we may use in, um, involving electricity or sound waves, heat, ice modalities, things like that. So, um, and it's all kind of evidence and research based. Uh, so that's pretty much what I do. And um, I mean, I can speak from experience, but is this also generally, tr- generally true that with physical therapy, it's also very hands-on? Yes. Um, and I'll preface that with saying, yes, maybe. Uh, some <laughs> some clinicians uh, tend to focus more on modalities. Uh, I personally, and a lot of the people I tend to work with, and what I like to do is is more of a manual approach. So um, that to me is a lot more effective. So, but but yeah, it's what, definitely. What, a lot what of do you mean, my manual approach, Jason? Uh, manual approach meaning uh, just what it sounds like. So I'm going to use my hands, my expertise in anatomy, physiology, those types of things to improve that person's function to, to heal them, to get them better. Um, there are other alternatives like using machinery, right? Basic exercise equipment, machinery stuff you see in the gym, um, or modalities, some things called ultrasound or electric stimulation can also be used, um, as an adjunct to the manual stuff. It's kind of, it's a whole big toolkit, right? A whole big big box of skills that you can use, um, it's not just one or the other, but manual therapy is a big part of how I practice. And um, I presume is is that tip? I mean, how would you describe your typical the typical day then? If you're so you're in an outpatient um, setting, yes. And 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 this is kind of the approach you use. What's your typical day like? What do you do on a daily basis at work? Mm-hmm. I mean. Can you tell us a story that typically defines your, so, your day? So typical day, and I'm going to say this is typical day pre-COVID, right? <laughs> so that we're kind yes, of dealing yes, with the whole yes. the pandemic issue right now, but um, pre-COVID. So as I get to work, you know, in the morning, 
there's usually a patient list that's generated for me. Um, and that can either be ongoing treatments of patients that I know or potentially new patients, right, for an evaluation. Um, mm-hmm. Do a chart review. Um figure out what the patient's diagnosis is. The physician sends the prescription to us. Then based on the physician's diagnosis, we will then create or formulate kind of a general idea or treatment plan. That may or may not change once we get the patient in front of us, right? So what we see on paper may be different when we deal with the human being in front of us. So um, we have to do that, that objective evaluation, getting the patient's social history, medical history, um, their their daily their daily habits, things like that. So, um, so that's kind of what works for, for the start off of the day. Um, then after that, having the patient in front of us doing, like I said, doing the examination, um, and finding out what the impairments are and how those impairments translate to actual functional deficits and potential disability. And can we improve on that? Can we, can we make that go away? Um, that's what we have to kind of take a look at. And those patients are staggered, you know, for in, a, in my setting every half hour. So I'm kind of seeing patients one after the other um, throughout the day. I see. And so you're probably seeing, what, 16 patients a day in an any, average day? Then? Any day uh, scheduled anywhere from 10 to, to 15 patients a day. Um, given, you know, there's also administrative stuff you have to do, time for paperwork, documentation, um, which is the bane of my existence. <laughs> um, but, um, and then meetings, you know, things like that, uh, lunch <laughs> throughout the day. So, so you kind of <laughs> put all that stuff in there too. If, um, how, so if the, just to give, remember some of these people listening are, they've, they've never met a physical therapist right. or, or have seen a video. So if a patient comes to you, Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and they're you know they come to you they introduce you for the first time. Uh, what uh, typical patient do you do? Do you have them necessarily? And it's, maybe it's something they'll do with their arm. Do you necessarily have to have them unclothed? Do you yeah. have to do um, to do put your your hands on their shoulder? I mean, how, yeah. So what's the usual steps to? So I know every patient's a little yeah, different. every patient's a little different. But um, I should probably say you know one of the things that makes or breaks my day is a great support staff. So usually the you know the front desk or you know when you're working in a in a facility, the administrative staff is kind of letting the patients know what they need to come prepared with clothing, things like that. But typically, you know, I'm working with the patient just like you go to a doctor's office, right? So the doctor wants to do an examination, they're going to have you put on a robe, or if they come in with comfortable clothing that's breathable they can move around in. Um, if somebody has a knee injury and they're wearing you know, pants, I'm going to have to have them remove those pants, put on a hospital gown, or hopefully they brought shorts. I need to have that body part exposed so I can do a, a proper examination. Okay. I'm going to take a look at their range of motion. I'm going to take a look at their strength. I'm going to take a look at their function. And when I say function, that, that, you know, that varies. It could be somebody who's 67 years old and mm. you know, is retired and pretty much sits at home and reads books or you know, or doesn't really do anything physically active, or it could be, you know, a minor league baseball player. So their function in their shoulder is going to be a lot different than somebody who's, say, 65 or 70, um, who's not actively engaging in intense intense exercise all day. So, um, and when I say that, 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 you know, I have to put all those pieces together, getting that patient's lifestyle and history to determine how the examination is going to go. Um, yeah. 
And and so when so you actually literally put your hands on the patient and help oh, them yeah. move their joint. See, it's an elbow issue. Right. You actually help move their elbow if it looks like they're having a hard time. Exactly. And you're getting a sense. Yeah, exactly. And so those of, those the, you know when you pick a specific body part, say let's say the elbow or the shoulder um, or the hip or the right. knee. Um, you know, let's go with the lower extremities. Start off with say the hip or the knee. Okay. So they have to bear weight on that on that leg. You know is. Is, can they tolerate that? Is it painful? Do they have full range of motion? Can they pick their hip up? Can they bring it back behind them? You know, normal things that we have to do. Do they have enough bend in their knee to go up and down steps? Um, somebody who has a surgery, I often see patients immediately right after surgery. So they have, say they, they had a joint replacement or they tore a meniscus in their knee, a, a ligament or a tendon um, in their leg. You know, has that been surgically repaired and how do I get that strength back for them? Um, so that they can walk around town normally or, you know, play sports again or ride a bicycle, whatever, play with their kids, whatever they want to do. I see. I see. And and your patients that come to you, mm-hmm. are they are there any particular type of age range that they are? Any particular I know you do a lot you've done a lot of work in um you got on upper body. Right work right um but is there a type of patient that you typically see in terms of age and their health conditions well for me is there like a typical patient yeah for me in particular it's it's a pretty wide range i mean it's from children all the way up to you know seniors right so i don't i don't work with infants um you know newborns there are there are specialties within the profession itself so i'll, I'll and this is a good way to talk about, you know, I have a specific focus, um, which is somewhat broad, but it's, it's even beyond what I, the profession itself, the, the, the opportunities are beyond even what I'm doing right now. So, um, you know, they have people who specialize in pediatrics, you know, infants, newborns, you know, if you like working with kids. Um, typically, I, I work with, with children that are eight years or older, um, sometimes five or older. Um, but once they get younger than five, I'm like, no, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> um, so, uh, I tend not, <laughs> they don't listen too well. So I, I tend not to do, uh, not to deal with anybody under five years old, but, um, but some people specialize in just working with the elderly. You know, we have an aging population in this country, you know, worldwide. So, um, for some people that's, they really love doing that. Some people just want to work with athletes. Um, there are also people who work just with, say, n- patients with neurological disorders, like say they had a stroke, you know, or a brain injury or um, a spinal cord injury. For me in particular, I work, like I said, I work in the outpatient department and patients are coming to me. I work with um, a broad host of types of patients, so orthopedic patients, um, patients with musculoskeletal, those are patients with musculoskeletal issues. Right. So broken bones, torn ligaments, muscles, tendons, things like that. Um, I also work with neurologically impaired patients. So um, think about your nervous system, you know, how you have this web of nerves throughout your body, um, and sometimes there's damage, whether um, it's a stroke that's internal, or whether it's something that came at you externally and you were injured. Um, one of the areas that I love to work with is spinal cord injuries where, you know, it's, pre- it's a pretty devastating injury where somebody could be paralyzed um, completely or partially. And how do they adjust to that? Can I get that function and that ability of that nerve to connect to the muscle and the brain to get their body to function normally again? Um, and uh, sometimes they can't. And if they can't, if they can't get that function back or that ability back, how do I get them to live a complete and full life with what they have? Um, that's also an important aspect of therapy because sometimes you can't fix it. So if you can't fix it, how do you get this person to be a functional and productive person, you know, 
and, and, and create a new life for themselves. So um, that's also important. Um, there are specific specialties that I have where um, I, I love, my passion is um, working with prosthetics with patients who have um, had their limbs amputated. So teaching them and training them on how to use this new piece of amazing equipment you know, throughout the tra- trauma of losing a limb, now you have this new mechanical leg where you you don't have to teach you how to use that and walk again and potentially run again and ride a bicycle with it or, you know, go to work, you know, walk up and down the subway steps, whatever you want to do. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of a personal passion of mine and a specialty of mine. And also working with patients with bleeding disorders, um, hemophiliacs um, is also a, a specialty area of mine. Um, and other stuff too, but yeah. Jason, could you walk us through maybe a patient? Of course, no patient identifiers, right. but uh, what you would do with one session, just to give a, a a snippet of moment of where you're working for maybe at 30, 45 minutes with a patient, right. and, and what you do with them. You know, they come in, uh, you may even know them, and some of the exercises you might do with them and, and how you are helping that person through this, maybe that's one interesting case. Right. Is there one that you could... Bring up um, particular person or particular case. I guess I'm, I'm trying to think of um, somebody comes in. They have had an ankle sprain. Right, they're walking. You know, it's winter in the city. Um, they had a slip fall. They hit a pothole. Whatever, um, okay. and they sprain their ankle. So they're coming in. They've got an ankle brace on. They're walking with crutches. Right, they can't put weight on the ankle because it's swollen. And it hurts too much. Um, the doctor sent them to me. Uh, to physical therapy to basically get them back to normal, right? So they okay. come in, it's first time patient. I'm going to obviously introduce myself and get to know who they are in terms of their living situation, their um, their job. You know, what are the, what are their job responsibilities? What do they have to do? That do they sit at a desk all day, or do they have to walk around? You know, maybe they work as a postman and they have to walk around and they have to lift packages. So all of that becomes part of the bigger picture when I determine what my treatment's going to be because I want to get them back to their pre-injury lifestyle, right? So um, right. they sit down with me to take the shoe, the brace, the sock off. I take a look at their range of motion. There are tools that I'll use to measure that. I know what the normal range of motion is supposed to be and say they're lacking and they have a lot of swelling. We need to get the swelling down. I'm going to touch it. I'm going to move the ankle around. What about the joints mm. next to the, you know, near the ankle? What about the knee? Did they injure the knee? I have to examine the knee. I have to examine the hip. Um, why can't they put weight on the leg, you know, on the ankle? Is it painful? Is it, you know, is it just stiff? Um, so those are all the things I'm looking at and considering. And then once that piece is put together, now it's time to go ahead and get the patient up. Maybe put them on a piece of equipment to try to help them strengthen um, on top of understanding how the joint works, the actual ankle joint works, and using my hands to mobilize that, to move that ankle, to try to get back normal range of motion. Um, so that's kind of the typical day then with that patient. And then taking, right. letting them go home with something, right? So these are exercises I want you as the patient to do to enhance what we're doing in therapy. I need you to do these stretches. I need you to do these strengthening exercises. I need you to put ice on the knee, on the ankle, elevate it. All of those things to try to help facilitate and improve their function and kind of speed along this process of getting them back to a normal life. Uh, kind of like homework. Yeah, they get homework. 
<laughs> they get homework. They don't. They don't always expect to get homework. They a lot of times they come in and they're like, okay, fix me, and they're like, why am I not fixed? I'm like, yeah, you oh, really? Got, you got to do the work. <laughs> so, so it's a lot of. It's a lot, I, I like it. It's a lot of bossing people around. That's good too. I like that. <laughs> That's nice. Um, uh, are there? Uh, is there? Um, uh, are there any particular things that are very satisfying or exciting about? that you find about your career? I think you alluded to some of the prosthetic yeah. and the hemophiliac uh, stuff. I mean, what about it is very gratifying to you um, that you, that you see and that you experience? Yeah. Um, it's just, imagine coming in and, you know, a patient comes in and I'll use another case as an example. There was a young man. Okay. Um, he was a teenager. He had gone skiing and he decided to, you know, he was tired. He wanted to do one last run on the slopes. And he decided to go down one of these black diamond slopes, which is a really difficult slope, ski slope. And um, mm-hmm. unfortunately, he his ski hit a, hit a boulder or rock or something buried under the snow, and it catapulted him up in the air. He went spinning. He ended up breaking both of his legs. And one of the legs ended up getting amputated because of the infection. Oh boy. And so, and this is a teenager. You know, he's got his, he's, there's things he wants to be able to do in his life. You know, he wants to play sports. He was active. Um, and, uh, so he came to me and he was in the ICU in the intensive care unit inside the hospital for a long time. Um, he was very weak. He was very sick. And, um, you know, he's a teenager and he's dealing with the fact that now his body's changed, right? His body's different. He's lost a limb and he's, he's scared, you know, he's in pain and, as we've gone through the process of his therapy, I won't go through every piece, but um, right. turns out the other limb was also so badly damaged that it was impeding him moving on to um, to a more productive lifestyle. So we he had to make the hard decision to voluntarily get the other leg amputated. Um, mm. Maybe about a year or a year 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 and a half after the injury. Um, because we could only get so far because of the pain and the restriction in the leg that they didn't take. So now he's got he's lost both legs, right? So it's like re-injuring himself all over again. And through the process of that, getting fit, it was so rewarding to see him grow as as a as a young man and to take responsibility for his care and to get to the point where when we were done, he could walk. You know, he had these two amazing technologically advanced legs with little, basically they were like computers inside the legs that I mm. trained him on how to use those computers and within the leg and how to basically get his body to control them so that he could walk again. Um, he walks around, he ended up going back to work. Um, he ended up being, you know, I think he started, you know, going back to driving, um, doing a lot of, um, IT work, computer work. Um, he got married. He ended up getting married, meeting someone, getting married. Um, he travels around, goes, you know, doesn't just sit at home. He, he's, he has a very productive life right now. Um, he's in his 20s at this point. Um, but yeah, so so that is so rewarding to me to basically know that I've affected, you know, I've had a positive effect on someone's life to that degree. Um, yeah. That is an amazing story. That is really awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and to know that, uh, that, and to to be part of that that team that works mm-hmm. with this person, yeah, and and you know you and also with um, I can imagine also you're also spending a lot of time with them. If you're thirty, it's not um, 
um, it's not like five minutes and then you leave the room and yeah. you let someone else do the work for 25 minutes. You know, sometimes you're there the full 30, 45, sometimes an hour, um, 60 minutes with them. Yeah. Um, and, and you're working with them, but you're talking with them. I mean, I can speak from personal experience. We're talking mm-hmm. while you're actually doing the therapy with yeah, them. Yeah, and you get to know the person. So I think a big a thing I like about my career is that, you know, I'm constantly interacting with people. Um, and, you know, I, there's no career that I could think of where I would, in some sense, in a way, intimately get to know so many people in this world, in my direct environment. You know, people that I have connections with, you know, like you and, and, and many others, even long after the mm-hmm. sessions have gone, you know, have, have finished. So um, you, it's, it's important, I think, to have that sense of, of connection and be able to communicate with someone and have empathy and understanding and to be able to listen um, to to what they're going through and, and figuring out how to, how to best help them. So uh, that's, that's a, it's, it's really, you know, I'm really blessed in that sense. So It must be a bit of a challenge, though, at the same time. You see some very tragic, um, tough cases yes. to, that take months to years to work with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the... the there are moments when it's it's trying, you know, it's it's emotionally draining, um, and I think as 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 you go through, as I go through my career, as a person goes through their career, they they're able to kind of to really handle that really well. Um, and there's always somebody that gets you, right? Like you know, there's there's that patient who reminds me of my grandfather, you know, or or somebody who reminds me of my mother, or somebody who reminds me of my best friend. And I'm like, wow, that that kind of hits home with you a little bit more emotionally. Um, but but you put it into context and you understand that you know this is somebody I can help and somebody that I, that I want to help and and you want to invest yourself in. So um, that's important, and you know, to be able to do that. So you know, you show. Uh, one thing great about you, Jace, is you have a lot of empathy, and and obviously along with the skill and knowledge. But are there particular skills and qualities, or even just a mindset of mm-hmm. colleagues in your career that you think best succeed or flourish, you know, in what you do, or or even qualities that um, they because of it they don't necessarily flourish or su- succeed in what you do. Yeah, I mean, I think what I th- people in your career do. Yeah, I think I'll start off with things that that make it difficult. To flourish in this career, and um, if, if not being able to communicate, right? not being able to talk to someone, to be able to, and not just talk, even more important is listening, right? So, because you're you're going to be taking in all this information that a patient is giving to you, that they're talking to you about, they're basically you know spilling their hearts out, their their lives, or what they're going through. Um, not just the injury, but, you know, other things, socially, whatever, um, and being able to listen and empathize and to apply that to how you're going to interact with that person. You have to be an active listener. Um, that's really mm-hmm. that's really important. So if the person isn't capable of doing that, it makes the job very difficult. Um, and they're less personable. They're less engaged and connected to the, to the person they're working with. So... Um, so, the, so the, the communication, listening skills, um, the empathy, um, and outside of all that, kind of that touchy-feely stuff that we're talking about, there's also having the ability to understand and analyze and execute based on science, right? Based on, you know, data, data-driven things. So um, range of motion, strength, 
all those things that are hard and fast, being able to take all of that information together and put together a treatment plan for a patient and to assess what their deficits are and what things may put them at risk for hurting, hurting themselves again. So um, it's kind of a combination of both, kind of the soft, touchy-feely stuff. You know, the, I talk, I listen, I, I understand versus the hard and fast data science driven stuff. So being able to combine those two is going to be really, really important for, for a person to succeed in this career. You, you talk about having knowledge and stuff. Do you guys usually have a weekly or monthly, you know, um, um, meetings or yeah, or, uh, yeah. oh yeah, so venues that you guys get together and and kind of share information and and learn what's the current research out there. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 each each facility is different. Some places are very structured in terms of and supportive of their staff being um, going through what they call continuing education and mm-hmm. even in house learning, like wherever you're working, that continuing to learn and grow as as a clinician as a professional, and that's really important because what I learned many, many years ago when I was in school, things have changed, you know, things have evolved, things have progressed, things have gotten better, things have gotten more advanced, and I need to stay on top of that. You know, whoever is practicing clinician, they need to continue to do to know those things and know the new trends and know the new the new resources that are out there, the new machines, the new manual techniques. <clears throat> All that stuff is important. So having and working for an institution that, that promotes that is also very important. Or having your own internal drive to want to know more, to want to learn more. Um, you know, I make a point of really trying to make sure I go to continue education courses. So school is over. I'm done with college. That's all done. Right, but right. after, right. you know, while I'm practicing, I feel like because I want to be invested in my, my patients, how do, I, how do I serve them better? And the best way is to learn the new stuff, right? Um, and keep up on the new stuff. Um, there's so much out there. Um, there's things that I'm not interested in, trust me, <laughs> um, certain types, certain aspects of my career that um, I just don't, I don't work with, I don't practice, but I have colleagues who, who excel at that. And so they stick to that, that area, you know, um, I'm not particularly somebody who works with, with wounds a lot, with wound care or with uh, a mm-hmm. condition called lymphedema or um, vestibular issues, balance issues. But there are people that I work with who are phenomenal with that. And that's what they love. So, you know, I, I think also part of being a good clinician is saying, hey, this is not my area. This is not my expertise. But I'm going to refer you to somebody. I know I don't know everything. So um, I'm going to send you off to somebody who's better at this. Um, that's really Got important. It. I think if you run into somebody who's like, yeah, I can do everything. And I'm really great at everything. Eh, probably not. So um, I, I wouldn't. I probably personally wouldn't go to see that person. But, you know, I, what's your specialty? What's your area? Um, so yeah, yeah. You you have to continue growing. You know, you, what are some of the highlighted? You know, every career has like, trajectories you can go into. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and in physical therapy, what are the different uh, offshoots or areas that you could kind of describe? I mean, obviously, we talked about prosthetics mm-hmm. that you've exper- uh you've worked with, and and some of the upper limb uh, issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what other aspects of physical therapy? Um, can people go into? I mean, and also you're working in outpatient. Are there other venues yeah. or environments or settings that people can work in as a physical, physical therapist? Yes. And what do they do? <clears throat> so let's start off with kind of the, the settings, right? So when I okay. when I started out way back when, I was like, you know, I had the dream. I was young in school. I was athletic, and I, you know, I ran track and I did all this stuff. And I was like, I'm going to be a physical mm-hmm. therapist for, you know, a national sports team or the best track and field athletes and tennis players. And you know, I, I had grand <laughs> schemes in my, how my life was going to go. So. Um, 
that was my goal, you know, but I was, you know, right. I was a teenager. And so I, <laughs> I then went and did some internships and, you know, I was in school and I, I worked with some athletes and then I also did some internships in, in, in hospitals. Right. And so I did some internships in the hospitals and I was working with patients who had organ transplants and who had, you know, heart attacks. And then I would, then I went off to an internship to work with um, some athletes and the athletes were crying about how, you know, their big toe was hurting and it was the worst pain in the world. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, wait a minute, I just finished working with somebody who had a new organ put into their body. After that, I just couldn't relate to (laughs) athletes anymore. I just like, you whine too much. You're, you're big. You got a hangnail. I can't work with you. So it's, you know, and they're crying about it. So there's a certain sense of empathy, but also there's a certain sense of perspective. So for me, I found more meaning and more validation and more um, reward working with people who were sicker, right? Who had more devastating injuries. And um, so uh, that, that there's that was one aspect of it. And then trying to decide where do you want to work? There's the, what's, you can work in the hospital. And within the hospital, there's, you know, patients who are admitted into the ICU, the intensive care unit. Um, they may be put on a, on a device to help them breathe. Um, you know, those are patients mm-hmm. that I used to work with. And so that's more intense. Um, it's, those patients are really unstable medically. And then, you know, they move on to the progression to being on the floors in the hospital. Then they may move on to what's called an acute rehab setting where their whole purpose is just to get rehabilitation through a physical therapist, occupational therapist, maybe a speech therapist. All those, all of us who are in this allied health profession are there concentrated to give this person 100% attention all the time before they leave the hospital. And then... So they're still in the hospital setting. They're still in the hospital setting. But but it's specifically a rehab hospital setting, right? So that's what they're there for. It's It's like an intense training camp. Right. So that's that's pretty much what it is. Um, And so and they have to exercise like three hours a day, you know, uh, and it's constant. So then they may leave the hospital and they may go home and they may get but they may not be fully independent. So maybe you'll have a therapist who whose job it is to come to their house and work with them in their house and give them home physical therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. Then they, they may get strong enough so they can venture outside of their house where at that point they come to me. Right. So. I'm in the outpatient physical therapy setting. So there are all these different tiers of, of care uh, that a person may go through. And through every step of the way, the physical therapist would be there to help push them through that. Um, so that the opportunities are out there regardless of what setting you're in. And within each setting, you have specialties. You have people who specialize, like I said, in neurological issues, musculoskeletal issues like broken bones, muscles, tendons, ligaments. Um, Patients with more metabolic issues like blood issues like hemophiliacs or um, patients who, you know, may have had surgery and their bodies didn't react well to surgery and they have a swelling in their body. It's this condition called lymphedema. Um, patients may, you know, therapists specialize in that. Um, specialists, there are specialists in pediatrics for newborns who maybe can't feed or can't, you know, can't eat or have problems with developing normal skills. So it's, it's I mean, the possibilities are endless. You know, it's, it's it's so many so many things. You're obviously working with a lot of different specialties. Are there any um, professions or other careers that are v- similar to physical therapy? Um, 
that you can think of? Um, yeah, I mentioned one occupational therapist. Um, very okay. A lot of the the, the skill sets overlap. Um, the training is a little bit different. Um, they're definitely more versed in like cognitive or mental disabilities or, or progression and development um, than physical therapists tend to be. Um, and they also tend to so focus... someone like maybe with a stroke, for example. Right. So maybe somebody, you know, before they couldn't balance, you know, they can't, after the stroke, they can't balance their checkbook or they can't plan their day. So how do you get that person to rewire their brain and to Uh think about how do I manage and now get back to living and working in normal society? Right. Um, A lot of I've met some great occupational therapists who are are very skilled um, hand specialists. So the hand is a very intricate part of your body that people don't, aren't really aware of and the tendons and the ligaments. And, and so there are occupational therapists who really specialize just in hand therapy. Um, and they're phenomenal. I mean, what they can do and getting a person's function back, you know, people forget how important your thumbs are, you know, if they're not working, you're really mm. impaired. So, um, yeah, th- those are, that's another profession that's very similar to, uh, to physical therapy. Um, you know, you alluded to your, doing some internships and yeah. and, and such. I, I want to, um, I want to shift, shift things a little bit. Okay. I want to kind of get to how you even got into <laughs> physical therapy. Obviously you were thinking about it yeah. in high school. Is this something that was on your mind? How'd you even get introduced yeah. to it? I, I, um, I had an injury and I was running and I tore a muscle and so I, you know, the doctor sent me to physical therapy, you know, I was in high school um, actually, I was before high school. I was in junior high school, um, and um, so I, you know, I went to physical therapy. And there's this guy who's like stretching my leg and causing me pain, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. And he's like, Shut up, you got to do it, and you know that kind of thing. And um, mm-hmm. I was a whiny kid, and so um, <laughs> you know, he's doing all this stuff with me, and all of a sudden, I'm like, Oh, my leg's better. And I'm like, How'd you do that? He's like, Just you know, really? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my and I can run again. You know, it doesn't hurt. Um, so I was like, what, is, what did he do? What did, how, you know, and it just stuck in my mind, you know, because it had such a big impact on what I wanted to do. You know, I love to run. I love to, you know, love track and field. And so that it, it, it basically gave me my life back. Right. You know, what I thought was my important life at, you know, 16 years old. But um, so then. It just always stuck in my mind. And I was always good in math and science in high school. Um, I was a decent student, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I liked, you know, I was acad- academically sound. Uh, I also liked athletics. Um, but science and math was always kind of my thing. I, I liked that. Um, so my biology teacher, you know, will always remember him, uh, said, you know, I want you to go to uh, this this program. You have to give up some summers in your in your, you know, for your vacation, but it's, you know, this program will bust you to a local university of Stony Brook university. And they had the science and technology in New York. Yes. In New York. I'm sorry. In New York. Mm -hmm. And, um, they had the science and technology entry program. It's called a step program. And so it was pretty much geared towards, uh, minority students, I guess you would say. So a lot of, um, black Latino students who were really good in science and math. And they wanted to expose them to careers, right? So um, I went to this went to this uh, thing every the step program every Saturday, and for five summers, you know, I was just like, I don't know if I want to give up my summer Saturdays. And basically, my mom said, "You're giving up your summer Saturdays." So you know, I got <laughs> she got me out of her hair. And so I went to this this thing, and they had professions, right? Science and 
math-based professions. So they had a physical therapist, obviously, but they who talked about their career, who talked about what they did. They had a physician's assistant. They had a marine biologist. They had an accountant. All these different professions would come every Saturday to talk about what they do and what their careers do and what they, you know, what their responsibilities were. And it just opened my eyes to things and professions that I didn't really know existed. And always remembering my physical therapist, I then am faced now in this program, I'm like, oh, there's that guy. He does the same thing my guy does. And it just really stuck with me. You know, I love the marine biologist, but I also realized I didn't like to swim that much. So that was out of the question. And <laughs> so, you know, so the physical therapy was kind of what stuck in my head. And so that that's how I how I kind of fell into it. So when you were entering college. Yes. Did you, you were already physical therapy as an occupation was on your mind? Yes. Yeah. So, so I applied to college. Um and I wanted to, I wanted to be a physical therapist, right? So I only applied to schools that had physical therapy programs. And the the education tract or curriculum has changed since I since I was in school. I won't say how many years ago that was. So they when I went there was a you had the option of getting a bachelor's or a master's degree. I chose the master's degree, the higher degree. So um, uh-huh. and what that entailed was me going to school for five years, going to college for five years. So after high, after high school, you're committed to five years of college. Um, I won't talk about that that particular program right now because it's changed a lot. Um, but the way it works now is you have two options, two tracks you can follow. Typically, schooling takes about. Six to seven years, potentially eight. So you go for your wow. yeah, you go for your undergraduate degree, right? So four years of college, and then you do an additional two or three years of physical therapy school. You know where you're specifically focused on physical therapy. So that's one way of doing it. Another way is to apply to a school as an entry level physical therapy major. So it's almost like a condensed version, you still get the same education, but you don't have to go to school for four years and then reapply to another school or the same school to get into physical therapy, right? So you can get any undergraduate degree for four years and then apply for physical therapy school as long as you have what's called a prerequisite, like the the math, science, backgrounds and, and skills and class history that would allow you to get into physical therapy school. So nowadays mm-hmm. it's called a DPT, a doctorate of physical therapy. So um, you're entry le- it's an entry-level doctorate program. Um, because as the profession, progr- the profession has progressed, there's a lot more knowledge, there's a lot more skills, there's a lot more things that a person needs to know. So that requires a lot more curriculum hours. So it's been elevated to a doctorate program. So, so I yeah. see. Do you have to get a doctorate necessary to become a physical therapist? Yeah, these days, yeah. Yeah, you do. That's pretty much oh, it. Yeah, yeah, no bachelor's programs. And uh, yeah, you, you, you go for the doctorate. So it's actually a graduate level, it's a graduate uh, level training yeah. past college. Yes, exactly. So you're going past the, past the four years of what, say, an undergraduate degree. Like I have an undergraduate degree in clinical science and then my master's degree in physical therapy. So the tract was the same as what they're doing now, except they've elevated it to a doctorate degree. Um, for someone that's interested in physical therapy, mm-hmm. say, you know, whether they're in college or um, you know, in, in, in high school, mm-hmm. Are there any particular skills you think that they should pick up to prepare them as a physical therapist? In while they're in high school, you mean? 
while they're yeah while they're still in you know in high school or college um and they haven't necessarily applied yet yeah, to the physical therapy to, the physical, to a physical therapy program um are there any particular skills you can think of that might better prepare work, them for that yeah work on science you know um the biology, kinesiology, um, physiology, um, anatomy, those types of things. Um, definitely be organized. Be an organized person. Be able to communicate. Be able to um, hone your skills on working together with other people. Because what I do is not isolated just me. You know, I have to communicate mm. with doctors. I have to communicate with nurses. I have to communicate with with other family members, you know, that the patient is, is, you know, close to because everybody, it's kind of a pooled effort often. It's not just, you know, there are certain times when it's just me and the patient and that's all I ever deal with. But for the most part, it's really, it's, it's a group effort. You know, um, I may refer you out to someone else who has more of a specialty in an area, um, that I think somebody needs. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's communication, work on your communication skills, make sure you understand how to, to adapt, to change. Um, and you're organized somewhat. Sometimes I'm not organized, but, you know, for the most part, I'm organized. Um, yeah, that, that's important. That's really important. Um, but ma- having a good, strong base in, ma- base in math and science is, is also really important. Jason, what is there any particular sacrifices or obligations that um, that you had to ch- take on to achieve your goal? Yeah, Either yeah. to get in school or stay in school? Yeah. Um, so, you know, was there anything particular for you that, that, that you had to deal with? Um, well, I mean, it's a competitive program. So you may have most of these programs take anywhere from 20 to 30 students, right? Um, okay. And you may get two, two to 200 to 600 applicants for each program or maybe up to 1,000 applicants wow. for, for some of the top programs in the country, right? And you only got 30 spots. So make sure you're, you, you know, the, the students should, should have a, a strong, strong showing in, in terms of their academics. Um, and if you don't have that in high school, you know, when you go to college, make sure you really focus on, on getting that grade point average up and making sure you're a strong student in, in those in those important areas and basically throughout. Um, and um, I kind of forgot your other part of your question. Well, we're talking about any sacrifices oh, um, and yeah. that that you had to um, I had to make so give up or do yeah. or to, to get your to where you wanted to go. Yeah, so. And saying that, that's no, I know where I was going. So with all that, you know, <laughs> that's okay. last there's, my, there's my organization. Um, <laughs> we can edit that out. <laughs> so, um, so with all that, that, um, that important strength in math and science and dedication, you know, that, that takes time, right? It takes the time to study. It takes the time to, yeah. to review and to, and to practice and work with your, with your fellow students and, you know, quiz each other test, you know, you're, 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 it's an intense program. Um, but and it means you sacrifice time. You don't necessarily, you're not out partying in the clubs and doing all the, you know, the crazy stuff all the time. Some people can manage that. I personally couldn't. I just had to kind of focus on my thing. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, you give up, you give up time, you know, in the process. And, and, you know, it wasn't school, you know, like hardcore semesters, you know, where you had a whole summer break. You know, a lot of times during the summer, I was doing internships. That's also part of the, the academic curriculum. You have to go out and you have to, be put in clinical settings to learn your craft, right? To to practice. You can't just put mm-hmm. your hands on somebody and not know what you're doing. So that's part of the curriculum. You're not just sitting there in class, you know, with books. My, the most exciting stuff for me was I'm like, okay, good. The academic part is over. Now I'm going to go out and spend six weeks or 12 weeks 
in the trenches, right? Working with patients, even though I'm still a student, I've got a clinical instructor teaching me and making sure I perfect my craft. And, and that was exciting to me. You know, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. I'm working with these people. Um, so, so yeah, you give up time, you give up time and, and to make sure it's something you really want to do. I really recommend that, that, um, people volunteer, you know, you go to a physical therapy facility, um, and you volunteer and just realize that what you may see in one place, it may be different in another. So volunteer at different spots. You know, maybe you want to go to a sports clinic and volunteer there. Then maybe if you can go to a hospital setting and volunteer in a hospital setting so you can see what different how different things work. You know, you don't have to make your decision in terms of your specialty right away, um, but definitely expose yourself to the different types of things that are out there. So, um, sorry, there's some ambient noise here, but uh, so let's... I, I, I know that you obviously work in an outpatient setting, and but you also, as you mentioned, also do some at-home-based therapy for some patients. Yes. If you don't, is that something, you know, um, uh, obviously that, as you mentioned, that's one of the ways you can also do physical therapy yes. at someone's um, um, home as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with that in mind, and you've worked in a lot of different venues mm-hmm. in, um, uh, in your career. With that in mind, is there, is there, you know, and change is constant. So, yeah. do you expect some changes to occur in your career or other fields of physical therapy, in especially after this pandemic that we have? Yeah, you know, uh, especially uh, maybe two, three, four, ten years from now, what kind of changes do you expect? you think may occur in the profession of physical therapy, either as a general aspect or very specific to maybe what you're doing? Um, Let's start generally. Um, Yeah, I I think that one of the things with the pandemic that's happened, um, people are really looking looking into what's called telehealth. Right. So doing video conferencing for um, to provide health care. I think that works when you can just, could talk about things with the patient, but for me, for my job and my skill set, um, I need to be hands-on with the patient, right? So, um, so some of that telehealth capability is really limited um, for physical therapists because, especially the ones that are doing hands-on stuff with patients. Um, but I think the profession itself is kind of linked to to society. So I mentioned the aging population. So a lot of the shift over the last 15 years has been a lot, been geared a lot towards senior care, elder care. Um, how do you really mm-hmm. specialize in, and make sure that you're taking care of the needs of the aging population? Um, that's really important. Um, having facilities that cater to them, having um, programs and exercises and things that, that take into account the aging population. Um, also, nutrition ideas change. So being able to make sure you can augment your treatment with giving people the necessary um, guidance or put them in the right direction for nutritional, um, to max, for them to maximize their nutrition, um, for healing, for recovery, things like that. So also fitness trends have changed. You know, People used to do these crazy stretches and exercises way back in the day and that they never would do now mm-hmm. because they realized, you know, that's really detrimental to you. That's going to hurt your back. That's going to hurt your spine. That's going to hurt whatever. Um, so, and people are, it's a lot more of a holistic approach these days. So um, alternative forms of exercise, whether it be yoga and being able to, 
really have a broad spectrum of knowledge of all of those things is really important. So um, it's not so much the isolated, okay, you know, lift your leg 10 times and, you know, do that exercise for forever and you'll be okay. Um, that's not the case. So you really want to have a really holistic approach to everything that's going on these days. So you think over the time you'll be a little bit definitely more uh, multifactorial. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, yeah. Uh, I think it is uh, now. I, I, I think it is now. Um, and I, I think it's just... Uh, people just need to be aware of it. And it's going to be more ingrained in the population that they're going to come to me and say, okay, I want you to give me the whole picture. I want you to be able to tell me everything that I need to do, not just give me my exercises. Um, granted, I'm not the specialist in nutrition or things like that, but I need to have a clear sense of, of what is going to help my patient reach their goal. Um, it's definitely more of a global approach. Um, and there's social media as well, right? You know, people get all this information on the internet and they're going to come to you with things, things they've seen on YouTube. Hey, I, I heard if I do this exercise, this is going to make me better. Um, you need to be able to either say yes or no, because the internet is great, but also it can be a little bit of a problem if you're getting the wrong information. Everybody's case is a little bit different. So um, being able to teach patients how to use technology and use all the information and knowledge that, that's out there has become very important. You know, it's, um, you know, with the pandemic, I would, yes. and because we're doing more video conferencing, I would think the basics of physical therapy, where you're actually literally um, um, putting your hands on patients sometimes to manipulate their tissue or move their joints, you can't do that. Um, and yeah. and how does that help? Is that is that therefore going to, uh, like, besides wearing appropriate um, protective gear uh, and, and being present, is there other, how is that? going to change in people's uh, the career in physical therapy yeah or is that just um i i, I don't think it, there's definitely a change there's definitely a, a barrier right there's a physical barrier now between me and the you know myself and the patient so um so now you know now when we're doing oh, we're doing this interview it's during the pandemic and um my job responsibilities have changed i i typically work in the outpatient department and that's shut down now because we can't keep receiving these patients because of the, the pandemic. So I shifted my, my care to the inpatient units where I'm seeing patients. And so for, to give your, your listeners a little bit of perspective, um, my initial part of my career was working in the ICU and working with these patients who were on respirators, who had, you know, tubes coming out of their brains and, you know, all this other stuff. And so, and I loved doing that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So I went back to doing that now during the pandemic. And so I'm working with patients that are now hospitalized. And so uh, they're, you know, I have to wear this gear. So for so long, I was intimately touching people and really being having full physical contact with them and working with their joints and things like that. To now I'm like, okay, I've got to put on gloves. I've got to put on a gown. I've got to put on a mask right. and all this stuff. So um, it's different, but there's still a connection that you need to be able to find with that person to 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 get them to understand that you're there to help them, that you're there to 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 help them move on with their lives in the best way possible. So um, it's still possible, you know. There's still I'm still touching them. I'm still you know. But now they're in a hospital bed, right? And the biggest thing they they were trying to get them to do is just to sit up in bed without losing breath, you know, without you know being short of breath, or just to stand up for sixty seconds before they're tired and they have to sit back down again. Um, and that's just as meaningful, you know, that's just as important um, and sometimes even more so, you know, than what I was doing before. You know, I forgot how much 
I used I liked doing the stuff that I used to do back then. Um, so so it's it's there's still a connection. It's, it doesn't change. I think how you go about achieving the goal may change, but but it's still it's still there. So you're actually been, you've been taking care of patients in the last month the, um, who have coronavirus. Yes, yes. Actually, for the last month, I've just been seeing only people who have the coronavirus. So um, it's it's stressful. It's you know, and, and that that also you know changes your career, right? So what I thought I was going to be doing for from now until I retire, you know, has changed yeah. because of the yeah. world stage. And so uh, having that knowledge. Um, having that base, that medical background as a physical therapist was, was really important. And, and my career path, I, I would never change it. I would never, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. I think when I started out right out of school, I worked in the hospital setting with really sick patients. And I got to know doctors. I got to know how doctors think, um, how to interact with the nurses and, and the people, you know, all these people with these intensely ill patients. And it gave me this confidence to be able to know I can handle any situation, no matter how severe. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I worked in a hospital setting. And so then I moved on and I still work in a hospital setting, but in an outpatient clinic. But that strong medical knowledge and base um, will carry me through. So I, I don't regret my career decisions. And even though I've, even though I've gone back now to doing some of that intense medically unstable kind of interaction, you know, with patients and stuff, it's, it's, it's okay because, you know, I, I had a really strong knowledge uh, from the beginning. So I think people just being a physical therapist is one thing, but also making sure you make the right career decisions to make sure you're well-rounded and you're, you're valued regardless of what the situa- situation is going to be out in, in, the, in the real world is important. Jason, is there, uh, you, you talked about a physical therapist that helped you early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but was there anybody else that inspired you when you were younger and maybe even inspires you today that you look up to? Um, in my career, uh, I'd have to say it's really or good. life. Life. Um, <clears throat> let's go with career first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll start small. Um, I, I'd have to say, uh, and I don't think I've ever told her this. Um, I used to work... After school, I went to go live in California. I'm from New York. Okay. I went to go live in California. I worked in San Francisco. I worked at the University of California in San Francisco uh, Medical Center. And I was there for five years. And one of the therapists, her name was Patty. And uh, she was phenomenal. She's a little spitfire. She was, all, you know, she, she was fun. She was, she was dynamic. She was a great therapist. And um, I was kind of in my own world of what I felt I needed to know as a physical therapist working with these intensely ill patients. And Patty opened my eyes to other aspects of my career, right? In terms of, as a manual therapist, things I could learn and do and grow as a, as a therapist mm-hmm. who really did hand, more hands-on stuff with patients. And I thought, oh, I, you know, you're young. I know everything. This is what I'm going to do. And Patty mm-hmm. showed me there was so much more. And she also opened my eyes to the world of um, pediatrics, you know, working with kids. Um, I love working with kids, but not all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so, so I, you know, and, and specifically hemophilia, you know, patients with bleeding disorders. Um, and that has carried me through that knowledge that I, I really have to, I think I'm going to have to call her after this is over and thank her for that. Um, it really helped open my eyes to the 
to the breadth of this profession and what, what was out there for me and what I was capable of. Um, and the funny story off the side really quick is that, Patty, I went to a conference in Madrid in Spain. So by the way, we get to travel sometimes too. It's great. Um, so I went to a conference in Madrid and, um, I was reading through the flyer for the, for the, you know, the itinerary of the conference and on the, on the conference, one of the people presenting, I looked, I was like, wait, that's Patty. What is she doing here? Like we had lost touch, you know, it's been over 10 years. And so we literally, I text her, I still had her phone number. I sent her a text and she's like, oh my God, where are you? I was like, are you in Madrid? And she said, are you here? And we literally left the conference. We were on opposite ends of the room. We left the conference. It was like a movie, like we were running towards each other in slow motion, like running through the fields (laughs) to kind of give each other a big hug. And um, so it was like we had a a reunion after 10 years of not seeing, or over 10 years of not seeing each other, you know, in another country somewhere. And we hung out for the next few days and caught up on things. And, you know, and it was kind of like a full circle, you know, like this is the person who really had a big impact on my career. And, um, you know, we just happened to run into each other again. So, so, uh, so yeah, I'd say she's, she's a big inspiration for me. That's awesome. That's uh, awesome when you can, when someone that you look up to, um, you meet up together and they want to hang around you too. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's a, that's an awesome feeling. Um, you know, you, that's funny. You know, one thing you we mentioned last time we were talking, um, you do tra- some travel, mm-hmm. and um, this is as an aside, is you have a some extracurricular activity that you get involved <laughs> yes. with, which is photography. Yes. Which yes. I didn't even know about until like recently. Yeah. yeah. How did how did that happen? I mean, oh. this is. You're doing this. This is not a health career, but you're doing yeah. something outside of, of, of health career that you really are passionate about. Yeah, yeah. Can you um, tell us about that? Sure. Uh, I think it's it's important to be well-rounded. So for so long, I was, you know, it was all about physical therapy, my career, my job, and my job, my job, my job. And throughout all this, I love to travel. I've always loved to travel. So I travel around. I take pictures. Um and then I realized that, you know, this is really a passion. This is really important to me for me to capture moments in the world and to see things and to share those moments with other people. So um, I decided to take my photography a lot more seriously. And also, to be honest, um, you know, sometimes you get not burned out, but you get tired of doing the same thing mm-hmm. all the time. So I think it's important for people to have an outlet and, and not just stick to one thing. So um I, I started pick, you know, picking up my camera full time and doing it more professionally. And, and, you know, I kind of honed in on some skills that I need to improve on and, and um, started really uh, taking, care of, taking care of myself on the other end, outside of the, you know, the, the healthcare career. I, I, I wanted to do something else that, that also meant a lot to my heart. So, um, so yeah, so I, started, I had a show in London, which was really nice. And, you know, different things like that, you know, it's, it's kind of exploded faster than I expected, to, expected it to be. Uh, to be happening, but, but you uh, have some. Well. You have some. You have a nice. You have a, a separate website for your yes. photography. Yes, you've traveled. Yes, you've um, you've been to. Uh, I mean, you traveled to, um, yeah. Thailand, yeah. Burma, yeah. Madrid, yes. um, South America, yes, um, and and of Different course parts of Europe, the country and, and yeah. the showcase there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and the website. I don't know if you want me to say that. Um, is sure. um, jasonjacksonimages.com, um, www.jasonjacksonimages.com. And, um, yeah, so the work is there. Um, and I've just started kind of selling prints and things like that because it really was more about um, capturing moments, kind of, you know, really that were important to me, that were meaningful to me, um, and being able to share that 
with people. And I figured, oh, I'll do that on the website. Um, and then people have been asking for prints and, and you know, to buy prints and things like that, which is also great. Um, and I'll do portrait shots of people and, you know, they, you know, for commissioned work, things like that. So, so yeah, it's, it's just a, um, it's turned into a great second career. So I still, you know, physical therapy is still my, my love, but, uh, but this is nice too. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I was very inspired when I saw your website. I love Thank your you. photography. It's, it's mainly uh, portrait, um, not portrait, but it's pictures of people. Yeah, like environmental stuff, like, you know, lifestyle it's, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's not landscape photography. No, no. I, I do that every now and then, but it's not, you know, I need a person. I need somebody in there. It's, you know, a, it, landscapes don't really do it for me too much, but yeah. Right. Jason, are there any parting thoughts for students interested in your career? Um, you could uh, reiterate or or anything that came to mind that maybe you that we didn't even go through yet. Yeah, I mean, I think I think be passionate about it. You know, if if you want to do this, um, you know, investigate, research it, figure out what it, what does it mean to be a physical therapist. What are, you know, just realize you're going to be working with people. You know, do you want to? You know, some people like to be behind a desk and looking at a computer screen. Um, some people don't. Some people need interaction, and that for me that that's important. That 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 sustains me. So. Um, and think about what setting you want to work in. You know, do you want to work in a hospital? Do you want to work in a sports setting? Do you want to work with kids? Um, and you don't have to have all the answers now. You know, you can just just make, just know that there are options. You have so many options um, and so many things you can do. And like I said, best thing to do, volunteer. Go to a facility, ask, you know, hey, can I do a volunteer, you know, maybe for, you know, five hours a week or whatever they, they allow um, and figure out if it's something that you really want to do. Um, it's a very rewarding career pay as well. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, 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 it's definitely rewarding. I like it. I love it. Hey, Jason, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, thank you so much. Uh, um, I think what you provided is, is going to be very useful to people that maybe never even thought about physical therapy. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate you coming on and, and kind of, um, opening up, uh, the world of physical therapy to people. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Health Careers with Dr. Martin. If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe to this podcast. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. And if you know someone who's thinking about their career, please tell them about this podcast, Health Careers with Dr. Martin. If you're already a subscriber, thank you. And please go to Apple Podcasts and rate us or leave us a review. It's a great way to let other people know about the show. Or you can go to our website at healthcareerswithdrmarn.com or hcwithdrmarn.com. Through the website, you can subscribe to our email list, contact me, let me know if there are any particular health careers that you'd like to hear about, and provide any comments on how this can be a better podcast for you. I'm Dr. Richard Marn. And thanks for listening, and I hope you will tune in again.